Bra Andy Mashaile, good morning this morning. Good morning, good morning Mindos. Good morning to the heavyweight champion. Listen up of this heavyweight champion show. Sound awake. I am sound awake. Absolutely, that's how we like it. Thursday, crime and prevention on Sound Awake. Not a fail. Bra Andy, first things yes, first. Um I have a lady who drives very early in the morning, two, three o'clock in the morning on the roads, and uh, they are worried. They're not sure how to do this. If they get stopped by the police in a place that doesn't look bright, that doesn't look a little safe, what do they? What's the best thing to do? Do they stop or do they drive slow and have the emergency lights on to acknowledge the police, but also? to make them aware that they want to drive to a safer place where they can feel comfortable to engage with the police. Mingos, we must now exchange roles. You have now become an expert uh, in crime prevention and combating. Yes, you do not stop in a on the N12. I'm going to be joining the N12 now from the west towards uh, Johannesburg. Um, you do not stop where it is dark. All what you do is you put your emergency lights on, your hazards, like we, you, we, we, we say it in the township, your hazards on, and you open up your, your driver's window and then you wave them, you show them that you are aware that they want you to stop. You drive to an area like a filling station uh, on the N12, um, uh, your Sassol, where there's light, where there's traffic, or you drive to... A, a shopping area or you drive to the nearest police station and if they are clean police officers um, they will stop you. Why am I saying if they are clean police officers um, in response to the question by the heavyweight champion listener, our sister? Um, there is a gentleman that we know from Sentin, myself and do. That gentleman took uh, mommy to the hospital because and uh, mommy's delivery time was due at the hospital. And this gentleman, round about 1 a.m. in the morning, went through to the hospital, dropped mommy. On his way back, he was stopped by a car that looked like a flying squad car, a Golf 7 or a GTI, um, with the blue lights on. This gentleman stopped. Um, he looked, he was from Sunning Hill Hospital. He looked on uh, his mirror, the side mirror, as well as the rear view mirror. He saw three people wearing private clothes jump out of that GTI. And the driver was the only one wearing uniform. Now, what's funny, they went, the other one, one of them went to the back door of the car that he was driving. He tried to open the, the, the back door of the car. This gentleman said, I all, I all the time had my foot ready on the pedal. My car was on drive. It's a jeep. My car was on the drive mode. He says, he says to me, when they dragged the back door open, he just accelerated. When he accelerated, they jumped into the flying squad car uh, or what looked or what is alleged to be a flying squad car type uh, of a Golf 7. They chased him. He drove straight to Sentinel Police Station. 
drove into the police station and they drive, they went past the police station. Now, if there were clean police officers, they would have gone into the police station and say, we wanted to set you, we are officer XYZ, and therefore, thank you for coming to the police station, you have made our jobs easier. For the fact that they went past the police station, say something to you and I. That's so a- you do not stop... Um, in the middle of nowhere, especially when you drive alone. Most importantly, uh, when you are a mother of the nation, a woman. Mm. It's it's a very tricky situation, Brian, because sometimes hey, shootings do happen. Some police officers will just open fire because they would then... I wonder if what you've said we must do, opening the window and waving and proceeding at at a comfortable pace, if the officers or the other people in the other car will understand that uh, before opening fire, because we've read of, you know, stories where people were shot because the police would say, we thought, you know, a, a dangerous criminal was running away. So we shot trying to stop them. And unfortunately, sometimes there are fatalities that result. Correct. In some instances, this has happened. Uh, I know that you and I and the listeners are talking from experience of what we have learned um, of that type of a conduct displayed by some police officers. Do I want to say rogue police officers or do I want to say overzealous trigger-happy police officers? Yes, some of them are trigger-happy. Some of them are overzealous. It's only a small number, Manja. Majority of police officers in this province that I've worked with, um, 37, 31,000 police officers in my time when I was the chairperson of the board, um, servicing uh, 13 million people um, in this province of Gauteng. That is 2010 um, through 2013. Uh, Manja, the police officers know that when you drive at a comfortable pace, when you drive your speed from 108 when they stop you to about 60, 80, 90, driving slow, they know and they can tell that you are not running away. Um, when you put on your emergency light and you, you, you press the pedal on your uh, beautiful car, your powerful car, you drive away from where you were stopped or you reduce your speed from... 60 to 240. There can only be one intention of that particular person running away. And you might run away because of fear. Now let's deal with that eventuality. If you are scared, you put your emergency lights on, you don't accelerate at 240. You drive between uh, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. They realize that you are not running away. Especially when we have waved them on to say, follow me, and then that's it. You don't stop when they say stop, because you are, even in a court of law, I could not stop um, because I was not sure whether the people in the police or what looked like a police vehicle are police officers or not. I wanted to stop where there was um, high visibility, where there was light, where there was traffic, where there was people, where there could be potential witnesses, witnesses either against me assaulting the police officers or them assaulting me. Bro, and so the, your, your speech is very important. Bro, Reduce your speech. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm glad, you know, we're saying there's a small group of people 
who misbehave, the majority uh, 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 brilliant law enforcement officers. But Andy, what's the best conduct if I'm a gun owner mm-hmm. and I'm traveling, particularly at n- nighttime is a bit tricky. During the day, it's a little easier because everybody's there. Everybody can see what goes on. But at night, I'm a gun owner, I get stopped, and there's an anticipation that uh, I will be told to get out of the car and be searched. Put my hands on the car and be searched, and I've got a gun to my hip. Whether it has got one up or not, um, this gun is going to be found. As a gun owner, what should be my conduct? Safe conduct. Uh, anticipating that I'm not sure if I can trust the people who have stopped me or not. Minzos, on Monday, I drove through um, Bryanston. Um, the guys from K9, uh, suddenly behind my car with tinted windows, um, suddenly put the siren on and put the blue light on. I stopped on the side of the road. They had their R5s ready. And I got out of the car. The first thing that I did, Manla, and the first thing that I'm going to advise you uh, and other listeners uh, to this heavyweight champion um, listeners, the first thing that I normally do, whether I am in South Africa or somewhere else, uh, the first thing that I do when I get stopped, I pull my license. If I'm carrying a firearm or if you are carrying a firearm, my advice is for you, to pull out your license, uh, your your firearm license. When you show them the driver's license, you immediately show them your firearm licenses so they know, so that they know that you are armed. If they set you, they already know that you are armed. The unfortunate part is you are not going to know the satanic uh, police officer who is there to rob you uh, from a good police officer who's going to guide you and shake your hand and talk to you and, and, and show you to be on your way and explain to you why they stopped you. You will never know the difference. So the long and short is uh, we will not be able to tell the good one from the bad one. But my advice is for you to always carry your gun license and ensure that your gun license is not expired or has not expired. Hmm. That done, then if the officer then says to me, okay, you're armed, they can feel the gun on me, what should happen uh, if they want to verify if the the license I'm carrying is for the firearm that I'm carrying? Do I give yeah. it to them or do I just let them take the gun and check? Um, Manza, your, your license has your firearm serial number. And one of the officers would uh, take your, uh, check your license, check if it has not expired, because once your, fire, your firearm license expires and you continue without having it renewed your license, you are now in uh, and you are now possessing a firearm illegally or unlawfully. Let's rather say unlawfully. And in that particular case, they will have to take that firearm and uh, proceed with you to the police station and take that firearm for safekeeping at the police station and or um, ensure that you are charged uh, and or um, ensure that uh, you do not continue carrying that firearm unlawfully because your license has expired. Now, 
quickly going back to the serial number. He's going to check the serial number of the gun that you have against the serial number um, inscribed or engraved on your firearm. And when they correspond, you proceed. When they don't correspond, it means the gun and, and the license are not related. There's no husband and wife between the two. In that case where there is a difference, then you are um, in for it um, legally and within the confines of the law. But Andy, gun safe zones in South Africa, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk on that, uh, you know, gun free zones help people feel comfortable. We could be talking public health institutions, schools, places of entertainment. What's, how do you see it from a police officer's point of view? Is it helping in reducing uh, gun crime? Um, let's look at that incident at Sunning Hill where the robbers jumped over the barricade to people's um, phones and to people's watches. It is not an assumption, it is a fact that those people who are sitting around the table enjoying their breakfast or enjoying their lunch and having a meeting and talking business that would stimulate the economy and many of those things and create job opportunities we want to assume for, for the interest of the listeners. Those guys were not armed. It was a gun-free zone. People with uh, um, satanic, once again, evil intentions jumped the barricade, had the power of the gun behind their fingers and used that power destructively, abused or misused uh, the firearm to commit crime. You can have a gun-free zone, but you cannot run away, and we cannot run away from um, experiencing criminals who jump the barricades of our lives, of our spaces, of those gun-free zones to commit crime. Shush. But... A lot of us would feel uh, more comfortable, you know, to have a gun-free zone. How, how, what, when we say a gun-free zone, is, we mean when you get to the space, if you're carrying a gun, you will not be allowed to go in or know in mind that when you go into this place, leave your gun at home. A gun-free zone, Mingos, is a state of mind where you feel comfortable in space A, B, C, or D. Um, knowing that when you are in that particular person, uh, the thousand people that are in that particular space, all of them do not carry guns. Even when these particular uh, uh, people can become inebriated from uh, the hot waters or from the, the heater that stays in the refrigerator, they're going to walk or something. Um, even if they get inebriated, they would not be pulling a firearm and shooting each other on the head or... Um, destroying life and limb of the other, the adversary in any conflict to the conflict arise. You would know that when I'm in that space, let me, let me make an example. If you are in an all-white party, you don't expect anyone to be carrying a gun because you are there to enjoy yourself, to dance, to listen to music, to do all of those things that the people who attend these all-white parties do. Enjoy, get into the car, go back home. So a gun-free zone would be where you Guns are not allowed. Where you are also free, remember, I said it is a state of mind. When you feel safe, you should actually be safe, which is inscribed or prescribed in um, your National Development uh, 2030 National Development Plan, which says chapter 12 of the National Development Plan, says 
by 2030, the people of this country, including our sisters, our mothers, and my daughters, the people of this country should feel safe and they should actually be safe. Mm. So there should be an enforcement of a gun-free zone. Even the people from organizations like uh, Gun-Free South Africa would then indicate to you that when there are no guns in a certain space, the possibility of the people in that space uh, would be safe and they would be feeling safe and they will actually be safe. Let us exclude the fact that that space is intruded by uh, conduct of uh, those criminals who jumped over the barricade to come into uh, and rob people like we saw. I think I saw two days ago there was a restaurant where criminals walked in there and robbed people of cell phones um, mm. and took their took their their belongings. Brian, the, the, the process of acquiring a gun license, uh, do, do you think it is easier or should the law be changed in terms of how uh, people acquire legal gun licenses? Um, let's start on the purpose of acquiring a gun license. Do I acquire a gun license to be a strong man in the street, to be a macho man, um, to carry that rifle? Um, I have seen people joining security or establishing security companies in order to own rifles and become big men and, and, and hot, hot shots in the street. What is your purpose for acquiring a firearm? We have listened to uh, the minister saying, um, now people uh, would not be uh, having gun licenses easier because, um, because of personal protection. There should be a, a very stringent uh, reason. There should be a very good reason uh, for that matter, for you to possess a firearm. But the people who possess uh, gun licenses, having it applied, having it followed the process, are not normally the people who commit crime. Even though people do use um, licensed firearms to commit crimes against women, what I refer to as gender-based crimes, not gender-based violence. Anyway, violence against women is crime. I don't know why we are so or heated up, or so stuck on this brand GBV. It should be GBC, gender-based crimes, or crimes against women. We realize that uh, these licensed firearms can also be used uh, for destruction of both life and limb, as we have um, figures and as we have said that we have seen in the past. Um, the long and short uh, response to your question is, uh, people, when they acquire their licenses, they should have a good reason. Government has been saying that they want to stop uh, people from owning firearms because those firearms, sometimes the owners are reckless and those firearms get stolen and a uh, crime gets committed because of those firearms. Or, and or they get robbed and those firearms um, are used in the commission of crime against the people of this country and, and, and visitors or tourists as we have observed um, things happening mm. down in Johannesburg uh, by there by Park Station. Um, I mean, uh, recently, seven people getting killed in the Western Cape. Uh, one assumes that uh, these are illegal guns. Question is, where would they come from? These illegal guns, one, come from our homes. Uh, when a young man in Soweto steals Gogo's firearm, um, a three eight special, this young man... Um, 
uh, lives with disabilities. This young man thought this is a toy, and anyway, it looks like a toy. And anyone, this anyway, this young man has never fired this gun. He's been wanting to fire this gun. And a gentleman who is a a a a a a, a potential criminal or a criminal takes this firearm from this young man, goes into the hostel. That firearm gets. Uh, this is now in uh, Orlando. That firearm gets used on um, people for uh, uh, the crime gets committed through the use of that firearm. So the long and short is the recklessness, should I say, of the gogo or did the young man know where the key to the safe uh, of the firearm um, is, is kept? I'm not sure what actually transpired there. But for the fact that that young man uh, was able to access that firearm, it was taken from him, suggests one thing to both you and I, that recklessness, of firearm owners leads to situations where these firearms will be stolen and they'll be used in the commission of crime. I haven't heard of criminals uh, raiding a gun shop, taking the R5s and the R1s and going out to commit crime. They get firearms where it's easy to get hold of them. And where is it easy? Our homes, uh, on ourselves, when we, when we are too south, when we are drunk and we don't know um, and we don't remember that we have firearms on us. They take those firearms and they go and they commit crime. Yeah. Quickly, Brian, on a scale 1 to 10, how vigilant are we in making sure that our guns are safe in South Africa? Uh, generally, um, South Africans are going to be angry, and I really am not going to be worried about their anger, their emotions. I'm going to be worried about what is significant. Um South Africans generally are careless. Generally are careless. Balashile. 